a local Virginia girl raised Christian in a hardcore household, evolved and grew into a beautiful agnostic. Now she interviews people and talks about Bible stories. This is Britney's Bibble Stories. <laughs> Something like that. Lift me with Brittany, the Bible stories you know told wrong. I'm your host, Brittany. I had a conservative Christian upbringing. I was homeschooled for eight years. Then I went to a conservative Christian school. All of that was no bueno. Uh, so this week I have two special guests. I have Aaron and Ben. Uh, Aaron, I know from a church that we went to growing up. So Aaron, what would you say your religious upbringing was like? Well, I was raised uh, Presbyterian for a few years and then Episcopalian slash Anglican after the gays came along. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other thing. Yeah. Uh, for for many years, um, I was in the church basically my whole life up until like probably around sophomore year of high school. I started like not going so much, but it was a huge part of my life and my family's life. All of that. <laughs> yeah. What would you say your current religious beliefs are? I would say I'm spiritual but not religious. Let's right. go with that. Do you have any uh, specificity to spiritual you care to add? It's complicated. All right. That's uh, fair. It's hard to explain, but... Like I a guess, Facebook status? Yeah, it's, it's complicated. complicated. Oh, my God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I guess all religions glimpse a shadow of the truth. Mm. And taken as a whole, we can start to understand the great mysteries. But I think that no one religion gets it fully correct, and certainly not Christianity. <laughs> because of the dogmatic all or nothing, like this is the only way nature mm. of Christianity, I certainly don't think that that is the answer. Mm. I think there's a lot of good that I have gained, you know, in terms of personal mor morality and all that um, from being raised in a Christian household, but I don't think that that is the one on and only answer. And I think that it's kind of arrogant and to think that it is. I'm, I, that's just how I feel personally. Yeah. No, you're um, allowed to feel however you feel. Well, yeah. thank you. You're exactly. welcome. Yeah. So I needed to tell you that. You wouldn't have felt however you felt Definitely. if I didn't let you. Thank you, Brittany. <laughs> All right, Benjamin, so what's your religious upbringing? Ooh, that's a fun one. Um, I guess my parents were Methodist? Mm. I am not sure. The cool sister of Anglicanism. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> they had, they really... had the good handbell choir, if you remember. There was that Methodist church. That Methodist Never church. Never mind. I don't remember. Methodist is like cool <laughs> Episcopalians. Yeah. Okay. So right. I, my parents are Methodists, and they uh, brought me to church. They tried to bring me to church, I guess, is really what happened. And it didn't well, I'm you know I'm I'm a wild child <laughs> cosmic child and it didn't ADD people <laughs> didn't they didn't know how to like the Sunday school teacher didn't know how to deal with me yeah. so I think they weren't allowed to bring me to church anymore <laughs> so they didn't go to church <laughs> I uh, in high school <laughs> I tried to I thought maybe I made my parents misstep and I tried to look, and I looked for the church in high school. Hard. That's, Wasn't there? So uh, what would you say there. your yeah. <laughs> current beliefs are right now? I believe in all gods, mm -hmm. but 
So polytheism, is that a fair... Universal truth. Uh, Cosmic so not something. A, so not a plurality yeah. of gods, but like a plurality of belief. Is that more accurate? Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm not trying to like put you down on a word. I'm just trying to like get it a little bit more narrow where you think there's like a... I'm not 100% sure. Mm. I'm not 100% Seeker. sure. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But isn't that why we're all sitting here talking? I mm-hmm. so. mm-hmm. you know? Well, we're all sitting here talking about Jeebus. Yeah. So, so today is the first of the two big episodes about Jesus. So we're going to cover the <laughs> first half of Jesus Christ. So this is like a big episode because we are covering four books of the Bible. So the main books of the Bible, you know, you got the Old Testament, you got a bunch of God's wrath, prophets. We've spent most of the podcast talking about, you know, some wild stories that are just amazing. And now we're in the New Testament. So the New Testament, the first four books are all about Jesus. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So they all kind of tell the same stories. They're kind of repetitive, but each one is told by a different author. So they have some variations. And I think the variations are really interesting in terms of what is left out and what is left in, what each book thinks is important and what each book thinks is unimportant, how they tell it. For instance, um, John is very conversational. It includes a lot of dialogue that obviously could not have been written down, but it's like written as a dialogue compared to Matthew, which is a lot more, this happened, this happened, this happened. So it's really interesting if you compare each story to itself in terms of the chronology, which is different from book to book of like when things happen, in what order, which stories are included, which stories aren't, and names. Names get jumbled up so frequently in terms of like, who is this? Is this another Simon? We got another Peter. Who's this Levi? Like, what is all this? Jesus is just, uh, he's just got a lot going on and I don't even know. So he did. Yeah. That dude, that dude was a weird dude. There's just a lot going on. It's like, I think it's like one of those things where it's like, I think in, in John it's my least favorite Jesus. Cause he's like real direct where he's like, I am the Messiah. You all have to believe in me. This is what's going on. He talks in very like indirect parables and it's like, well, that's confusing. And then the other ones that's like more appealing to me because it's like preaching and his thoughts and messages rather than him getting into like a religious argument with some like Jewish priests. Yeah. I don't remember. I mean, I remember there being four gospels. But I don't rem- I I was not. I was not raised in like a Catholic or Christian. No, <laughs> sorry, not Catholic. A Christian Evangelical. School. Evangelical. Excuse <laughs> yeah. me. I was not raised in, like, that sort of intense religious education, so I don't have the specific knowledge of the Gospels, Uh but, like... You didn't have to memorize all the books of the Bible? I think I did. Right? I feel like Bible... Like, when we went to Bible school, they, like, forced us to memorize, like, all the books of the Bible. I think it was part of being in choir, the RSCM, Royal School of Church Music, if you remember. I always forget about that. You were more into that than I was. Dude, I got all of the little pendants... I did not. I, I like ascended stars. to the highest levels. <laughs> 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 I got my badges. I got my badges. Yeah. My pins. Yeah. <laughs> they were like I did not get any of those pins that I remember. I did Awana, and Awana, you memorize a bunch of books of the Bible. So, like, so this whole thing, like, I'm going to pull out, like, specific verses that I had to memorize when I was a child, like, again and again and again. They're just, like, drilled into my dang brain, and I can't get these fools out. Anyway, so let's let's kick it off with the very beginning. You know, we're going to start off with Mary. In all of them, they talk about Jesus' lineage. And it's really important about his lineage because he comes from Adam, and he comes from Noah, and he comes from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through Judah. And then it all comes down from there. So it's really important that he's descended from Abraham. It's like, that's the point of the lineage is being like, 
Jesus is descended from Abraham. He so is chosen. <laughs> Don't you dare it, tell him. him. It's him. He's chosen. Okay. All right. So we're starting off with Mary. So Mary is a teen. She's, you know, horny as fuck, like all teens <laughs> are. She's like 15, right? So she's engaged to this carpenter named Joseph. Joseph is, you know, he's like a regular dude. He's got like benefits, a solid career. He's yeah, ready to he's like. He's got some wood. He's got some nails. He's got some screws. All right, so he's like 20 years older than Mary. He's like, all right, we're engaged. Yeah, it's gross. It's pretty gross. All right, so Mary gets pregnant with the Holy Spirit, you know, wink, wink, Holy Spirit. And Joseph is like a red dude. He's like going to quietly divorce him, you know, not bring her public shame for like adultery. You know, what a great guy. He isn't going to stone his wife. So an angel comes to him and is a dream and is like, no, don't divorce him. She's still a virgin. She's pregnant from the Holy Spirit. And he's like, all right, whatever, bro. Cool story, bro. Yeah, (laughs) sure. <laughs> so at this point in time there's like a big census so they they gotta like go back so he goes back to his hometown where he was born with his Bethlehem he's gotta go with his wife you know everyone's doing it so there's no space they have to stay with like a bunch of animals it's real stinky she gives birth because there's no doctors like I don't know why she doesn't die Ew. but yeah so she gives birth next to like a bunch of horse shit you know whatever that's my um, favorite place to give birth honestly yeah. So, like, all of this is only in Luke. In the other two, three books, there's no mention of this. So this is only in Luke where they talk about going to Bethlehem and having, like, this inn. And then some angels show up to some shepherds. They sing them some songs. They're like, oh, God is among us. And then the shepherds go, and they're like, whoa, look at the baby. Joy to the world. Yeah, so they sing. They go marvel at the baby. There's no magi, which is important. Luke does not mention the magi. Now, That's Matthew good. does. Matthew is like, all right, there's these three dudes. They look at their sky GPS, and they're like, there he is. There's the king of the Jews. He was just born. So they follow this star. And I'm like, damn, I wish I had star GPS. That would be so useful. <laughs> like, You do. Um, okay, but it's like not directly. Like I'm looking at it on my phone, but like I just want to look at the stars and like have a star that's like, Turn around! You went too far. <laughs> that, that's that's, I'm sure that's something in that. your head that you're yeah. missing because I have that. Oh, okay. Well, it's cloudy tonight, so that's also exactly. a problem. Well, so they're following this star, right? So King Herod is not super jazzed about this because he hears about them trying to find the king of the Jews. And he's like, I'm the king. You can't have another king. I'm the king. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll totally tell you when we find him. And then they go find him in Bethlehem. They give him gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which is, like, the worst baby gifts ever. <laughs> like, what is the baby going to do with this shit? We have frankincense and myrrh in our house for some reason. I do. Just I just have like gold. Little, ba- little bags. We just need gold. And do you have any have gold earrings or something? Trinity. I don't think so. There's um, got to be. There's got to be some gold in our house. Gold somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so, so this is only a Matthew where Joseph is told go chill out in Egypt, and then Herod like kills all the baby boys under two in the whole area, As like you around. Do. As you do. I mean, it's the same thing that happened with Moses. You just kill any boys under two, like. Uh, so they do that. They, like, legitimize some more prophecies. You know, there's all these prophecies about Jesus. And, like, all of these books keep going back to me. Like, he's fulfilling the prophets. He's doing what Isaiah said. He's doing what Jeremiah said. So that's what they always are coming back to. To, like, legitimize his identity through the previous prophets. And say, no, he's not just another prophet. He is the Messiah. There's just, like, a text messaging service via angels who come to Joseph in his dreams. And, like, an angel's like, all right, you're good. Go on back. So Joseph goes back to Nazareth where he lives and he works. And he's like, dope. He has like, he and Mary are like, fuck now. They have a bunch of kids. They have like five sons. Like, she wasn't a virgin for long is all I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, 
<laughs> yeah. So he, so when he's growing up, you know, like our boy is like real great, real cute. I'm sure he like goes to like Passover in the temple, and then he like slips away from his parents, and he stays there super late, and he like learns with all the leaders, and they're like, "Wow, you're so smart. You know all this stuff, and you were never learned about, you know." the Torah or whatever and his parents are like wow we have such a smart boy and it's like wow but uh so there's this dude who's coming along his name is John the Baptist so this is like only in the book of Luke where we learn about the origins of John the Baptist and all the other ones they're just like John the Baptist proclaims the way for Jesus he like leads the way for Jesus but Hmm. in Luke he's like a super old dad right and he's got a super old mom and an angel comes to like the super old dad in his dream i'm telling you angel text messenger service mm-hmm. just coming to you in dreams being like yo this is, what, this is what god says a lot of things come and see me in dreams mm-hmm. so like so you i'm vibing on this you yeah. subscribe to that i'm subscri- i subscribe to, to that the text message service from you know angels. i didn't subscribe so that's the thing that like you know these are the ads that are coming at yeah. you right now that yeah. you didn't subscribe to yeah Dude, but I they're still coming at you anyway. A because last night was that an angel? Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. So he's like, <laughs> you're gonna have a son, and he's gonna lead the way from the Messiah. And he's like, how am I gonna do that when I'm so old? And the angel's like, because you doubted me, now you don't get to talk until your baby's born. So he doesn't get to talk until his son is circumcised, right? So his wife gets preggers. Cut that thing off. No, just the tip. Just the tip. Uh, you're right. Just the tip. Mm-hmm. It's very important. Uh, so, so his wife's pregnant. When she's six months pregnant, she goes to see her cousin, Mary, and then her baby leaps in the womb with the Holy Spirit because he knows that Mary's pregnant with Jesus or something like that. So he's not that much older than Jesus. So she, like, comes back, you know, gives birth, and he's like, okay, he's never going to have anything fermented. So not only is he never going to have wine, he's never going to have kombucha, he's never going to have miso, he's never going to have anything fermented. Uh, it's like... The kimchi? Kimchi, yeah. Yeah. They don't even oh, know what I'm they're sad. missing out, right? No pickles. Baby. No pickles. What? Nothing fermented. Oh. I know. No sourdough. The, no sauerkraut. What Oof. a... Bad life. So here's yeah. where it gets real rough. Yeah. So he's out in the wilderness and he only is eating locusts and wild honey. And he only, they're very fun. specific That's about my this. favorite diet. All of his clothes, he's only wearing camel hair with a leather belt. Like, just the belt. Just, just the belt. Just, <laughs> just yeah. the belt. The just hair the belt. is actually like, <laughs> he attached that to his head. Yeah. yeah. Camel hair clothes. Got camel hair clothes. Oh, yeah. So it's like very scratchy. <laughs> anyway, he's definitely got scurvy because he's only eating freaking locusts and honey. He probably like, has, what's that? Lep- te- lep- leprosy because everyone no, in the Bible no, no, has leprosy. No, no, no. no. <laughs> he actually doesn't somehow. Like okay. everyone else has it, but not all him. Right, right. There's yeah. no teeth left because, you know. Yeah. There's no citrus mm-hmm. juice, right? So yeah, his teeth are falling yeah, he's, out. Yeah, wait, is that a scurvy thing? Yeah, what? when you oh. that was what limeys. You know, they'd have their rum and lime, and the lime is to help prevent mm-hmm. scurvy because you need vitamin C. I didn't C. know the teeth thing was. Yeah, a your teeth fall out. I thought oh. your no. hair falls out. So John the Baptist comes, and then he comes down and he yells at these Pharisees and Sadducees. So Pharisees and Sadducees are very important in the Bible. They're like these Jewish leaders who like tell everyone what to do. The Sadducees are kind of bootlickers. They're like real close with the Romans. The Pharisees are kind of among the people, like. Being up in everyone's biz, being like, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do this. John starts yelling at them, and he's like, I baptize with the water of repentance, but uh, someone is coming after me who's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. And I'm like, whoo, that's metal. I love it. But this is even more metal. Listen to this verse. His winning fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. It's fucking metal. That's all I'm saying. Like Jesus is pretty metal. So there's a winnowing. 
Dude, he, oh, winnowing. Oh, winnowing. <laughs> all right, so John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Jesus is like, you got to baptize me because it's proper. And he's like, all right. Jesus gets baptized. <laughs> a dove comes out of heaven. And it's like the heavens open up for Jesus. And this is when his ministry starts. Okay? So this is only in the book of John. And this, I love this story, which is Jesus is at a wedding with his mom, right? And so they're like getting crunk off of that free open bar. And then... The worst thing happens that could happen at a wedding, which is that the wine runs out. And this was mom's like, you cannot ruin my night. This is my one night off. Jesus, do something. So Jesus is like, Please fine, mom. Fine. So he tells the servants to fill up these huge jugs of water. And then he brings them to the master of the banquet. And they're turned into wine. But they're not, this isn't some two-buck chuck from Trader Joe's. This is the finest wine. Mm. And then the, the bridegroom is like, Usually you drink, they have the nice stuff at first and then you get to the cheap shit, but this is the best stuff and you saved it for last. This is very mm. impressive. So it's not only does Jesus make wine from water, he makes a very good wine. He's a great he inventor. He port. It's oh, a yeah. sipper. I think not. he made a red blend. All right. I know is whatever we had at church was definitely a red blend. I uh, think you're right about that. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus just dyed my Colt 45. Mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. And I drank it as only a 40. wine. I mean, you could say that your Colt 45 is your bread. I would accept that because it oh, comes from yeah. wheat. Oh. There you go. So you could have wine and that. Oh. And that would count. That's a twofer. That is a twofer. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right. So this is also only in the book of John. So Jesus goes to the temple in Jerusalem for Passover because John is all about Jesus going for these different festivals. And I'm like, dude, no one cares. So people are like selling stuff and getting rowdy. And there's like a bunch of birds and like animals that they're selling. And Jesus sees this and he's like pissed. He's like no one does this in my dad's house. And he passes over all their tables. And they're like, under whose authority do you do this? And he's like, tear down the temple and I'll bring it back up in three days. But he's not talking about the temple. He's talking about his body. And they're like, child, it took us 46 years to make this temple. And he just walks away because he's emo. But yeah, he's just like, this body, this sculpted bod will be raised again in three days. flesh sack. All right, so this is where we hop back over to Matthew. So Matthew's like, all right, Jesus is taken into the wilderness by the devil after he gets uh, baptized. The devil is just tempting Jesus. So for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus is fasting. He has, like, water, I assume, but he doesn't eat anything. So I would be real hangry at this point. Like, I would be losing my mind. So he's, you know, a little, little cranky. The devil's like, if you're the son of God, make these stones bread. And he's like, man does not live on bread alone. And then the devil, like, takes him to the top of the temple in Jerusalem. And he's like, this is the holy city. Throw yourself down and the angels will catch you. And he's like, Psh, I don't need that. I know what I am. I'm saying it me. And then the devil takes him on top of a mountain. And he's like, bow before me and worship me. And I will give you everything here. I will give you all of these cities. I will give you the world. And he's like, nah, I'm better than that. And then the devil's like, fuck, that was the best I got. And then he leaves. And then a bunch of angels come. And then they take Jesus away. Double down. Double down. He's like really bad at temptation. Like, really? Seems Just terrible. Just a negligee and like some fucking Barry Manilow. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, this is so direct. He couldn't have been a little bit more subtle? Yeah. Just like a little bit. But Jesus Turn is like away from me, Satan. Mm-hmm. So at this point in time, John the Baptist gets imprisoned by Herod, right? Because, like, he's been preaching, and, like, it's really disruptive. So Jesus is like, cool, I'm just going to assimilate all of his disciples. They're going to be my disciples. And it's, like, you know, pretty good. Like, every cult needs some followers. So he's just, like, accumulating more and more followers. He's like, you fishermen, come to me. You fishermen, come to me. What is that song? Your name. Fishers of Men. Oh, God. Do you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) <laughs> anyway, so, like, Jesus is, like, going around. He's, like, healing people. He's casting out demons. He's saying some feel-good shit. It's, like, all a good time. Now, at this time, 
freaking John the Baptist is in prison and he's just like, all right, I guess I'm talking to a king. King is talking to me, but the king has a birthday and his wife that John had been like, you shouldn't be married to him. You're secretly married to this other guy. I'm not about this divorce. You are out of control. (laughs) Anyway, so she sends her daughter to dance in front of her husband, which is weird. And he's very yeah, pleased with that. Wait, what the fuck? <laughs> this is what you get for burping. You missed the story. Herod has a wife. John the Baptist pissed off Herod's wife. Herod's wife sends her daughter, to not dance. his daughter, to dance in front of him. Ew. He's very pleased at his birthday. And he's like, ask me anything and I'll give it to you up to half my kingdom. And she goes to ask her mom. And she's like, what should I ask for? And she's like, ask for the head of John the Baptist. So she goes and asks for the head of John the Baptist. And oh, he's like, Salome? shit. Yeah. Why the fuck is everyone asking for the head of John the Baptist? What? I do not know. Anyway, so he gets the head of John the Baptist. That's how he goes. So now we get to the Sermon on the Mount. This is like super famous, like Jesus speech. It's like some good shit. I encourage people to read it. It's Matthew 5, 3 through 12. It's like some really nice poetry. Like there's like the, you know, God spells song about it. It's like a nice, it's a nice poem, you know? The important part is he says that he didn't come to abolish the law to fulfill it. So he's basically saying, you know, all those weird rules from the Old Testament, they still count. I'm just fulfilling all those prophecies, so they still count. No mixed fibers, yeah. no butt sex. Mm, well, you know Mary had some butt sex. Like, just because she was a virgin. Exactly. Like, nine uh, months being pregnant? Uh, like, mm. Anyway, so, so he's like, goes through this sermon, and he's talking about people, like, basically, like, He's saying, like, even if you don't murder someone, if you look at someone angrily, it still counts. And even if you don't commit adultery, if you lust after a woman, it still counts. So he's saying, like, all these things Dude, that should fuck me up so much. Can I just side <laughs> rail? I'm sorry. That should fuck me up so much as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, my God. This is some personal shit. You're welcome to talk as much or as little as you want. Oh, man. Just dude, know. Dude, like, I masturbated under the covers so God couldn't <laughs> see me. <laughs> I had lustful thoughts, and it was uh-huh. so. It, I was just. I was gonna get struck down by a by lightning, just yeah. smote, yeah. smitten yeah. from where I stood for even thinking about a butt, <laughs> just a butt. in an unclean way. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jesus. So here's what gets me. It says if you look at a woman. So, like, oh, only, I, only oh. 50% of the time that I'm guilty. Oh. The other 50% of the okay, time. Well, so is it a male things. butt or a lady butt? That changes things significantly. Because I'm definitely, like, at least half guilty. But yeah, half yeah. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, so, like, that's yeah. really all it is. Right. So there's a famous line, which is, if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. <laughs> all right, so he says some messed up stuff about divorce, which I'm not about, where he's basically saying, like, unless there's sexual infidelity, then it's not a real divorce. And if you go and marry other people, then it's adultery. And I'm like, well, that's not really fair. Like, you know, sometimes things just don't work out. And as long as it's all amiable, you know, and divorce happens. It's fine. He says, don't take any boat which I'm about because I don't like oaths. I don't like to promise things. I want to be like free and open, no commitments, you know. He has a famous line of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. So I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So Jesus is praying for you. So, you know, there's some more famous lines. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, which I like. Okay, so if you're going to pray... You should do it so everyone isn't, like, looking at you. You should do it in private so you aren't just doing it to get, like, you know, the good stuff. You shouldn't help people just so everyone congratulates you on how great you are, which I agree with. No yeah. He says, be secretive back. about fasting. Dude, and I he says, uh, 
Don't store your treasures in heaven. You can't have two gods of God and money. You can only serve one master. You can serve God or you can serve money. And I've chosen money. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I've, chosen, I've chosen neither. I've chosen self. Mm. There's That's a God in and of itself. You say that about like the self. And I feel like when you think about consciousness. A universal self, though. And yeah, a universal it, self. When I say My self, self, I see but everybody's self. self. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. The godness of everybody. Yeah. That I am my entire universe, mm. as far as I know, and and for you, I can only assume it is the same, uh-huh. you know. And we we strive to communicate with each other and empathize with each other and connect with each other. But at the end of the day, my experience is all I will ever ever experience in this lifetime, and so there is. That is a god in an, in a way, you know. Like, you are, yeah. You exactly. are the god of your universe. He tells his followers, don't worry about food and clothes. You're going to be taken care of, which I think is a bit harsh coming from someone who clearly has never had to worry about food and clothes. He's telling them, don't worry. (laughs) But it's like, well, it's kind of hard not to worry when you're hungry. It's like, just because you fasted doesn't mean, like, you knew you could get... Yeah, but you can't tell anybody that you're fasting. It's true. That's another rule. So... Which is another thing. It's like, on one hand, I agree with the idea of praying in private because it it helps you personally. But I disagree with the idea of giving money in private. Because I think by giving money publicly, it encourages other people to also give money publicly. So, like, that's my counter to it. Where it's like, by leading through example, I'm saying, I'm donating money to this... You should also donate money. I hear you. I see the flip side, though, of that. It breeds something inside of the people that don't mm. have it to give, and yeah. it breeds hurt and totally more hurt. I think it's that. about like phrasing it where it's like, yeah. hey, if you have time to give, give, give time. If you have money to give, give money. If you have awareness yeah. to give, give the awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But yeah. I think it's like one of those things where it's like still the idea of being like, I'm doing this. Yeah. But there's a difference between doing it publicly and doing it to be like, look at me, look at True. me. You know, like you True. can do it publicly without gloating about yeah. it. And I think maybe that's the essence. And I, I, I mean, this is kind of what I was saying at the beginning is like, I feel like there's so many. There's a lot of wisdom in the Bible. Totally. And I don't want to, even though it's oh, tempting yeah. for me, mm-hmm. because I've had kind of a tenuous relationship with religion and Christianity and the church for personal reasons, I don't want to discount the fact that mm-hmm. there is a lot of wisdom. Oh, and, yeah. Like, oh, and yeah. deep, you know, like, all these religious tomes are the result of generations upon generations of human wisdom. And it's, you know, the best that we could do at that time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a flawed document. I think that because we as humans are flawed timeline. And, you know, with the four gospels, it's like four different people telling their perspective of one dude's well, life it wasn't even written down until perfect. like you know 500 years later or something like that i mean the, the whole belief behind the new testament is that it's an inspired document which is saying that god would not allow it to be translated poorly god would not allow it to be written incorrectly it's the idea of an all-knowing all god all-powerful god making sure that his holy word is correct so like that's the christian renunciation of what you're saying on the other hand you, judging by all the different versions, it's pretty obvious that translation has, like, a huge part to play with it. But I do agree with you about some of the wisdom. Like, this line, don't judge or you two will be judged. I am so guilty of that, where it's, like, by putting out that feeling of judgment, you get judged. It's the whole thing of, like, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly enough to remove the speck from your brother's eyes. Oh. Like, that's, yeah. like, so good. That's, that's it's, a pithy It's wisdom. so good. That's just talking about looking at yourself, and so many people lack that ability. And you're programmed not to. 
Yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's like, I think uh, coming from a Protestant tradition, it's like this idea of you read the Bible and you interpret it for yourself. But then also within Protestantism, there's like this whole idea of the church. And that's, I think, where a lot of people get mixed up. Where like mm -hmm. the friends that I have who are Christians that I really respect, they're the ones who don't necessarily hold to the church. Like personally, that's how I feel about it. Where it's like when you're a Christian, you read the Bible and you're like taking in these messages. I think that could be really helpful. Mm -hmm. Moving on. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. That's also what Jesus said. All right. And so where we get pearls before swine. I just want to throw that out. He's saying all this dope <laughs> wisdom and he says some stuff about don't give pigs your pearls. I'm like, all right, fair enough. They all don't right. deserve it. Right. Uh, another juicy line that I like, because like, honestly, it's the Sermon on the Mount is like some of my favorite stuff that Jesus says. It's like some of the most condensed good stuff that he has to say. Uh, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. So it's this idea of like, how are you going to receive anything good if you don't ask for it? Also, says we should all celebrate Halloween every year. Oh, Halloween's always my favorite. That's so. what I'm saying. Dude, do you remember my family? Okay, anything relating to like witches or spirits Ooh. was just bad in my family growing up. Vampires were super bad in my yeah. family. Can't have anything vampiric. Yeah, no, none of that. None of that. Mm. None of that. And so it wasn't. Halloween, it was All Saints Eve. It was. I remember that. We went to, we would sing in the choir for All Saints Eve, and then we would go throughout and get our bag of candy. You get one yeah. bag of candy per child. Do the trunk you could treat. Do, yeah. And there was the candy cakewalk, and then there was like the, remember <gasps> the upper room the house? I love the ah, maze. The cardboard maze that yes. you had to crawl through, and then they stopped doing it because it was a huge fire hazard, because like, what if? It's only because that one lady left, and the other lady didn't want to deal with it. Oh, that lady. <laughs> Lame. Lame. It was really cool. It was really cool. It was a good time. That's a whole so, and that's a, that's the thing about the difference between religion and the church. And I feel like there is so much like community and so much like so much so much social good that happens from people being involved in a co a community. And I think that's something that the church provides for people. And I think that can exist separate from religion. Just being in a community of people who come together and care about each other work for a common good and I, I feel I gained so much you know musical education just like moral education from that and it didn't have to happen in a religious environment and I think like that's something that I don't know I think could be like separated in in a way in our society people look to the church as like well oh we need the church for charitable reasons you know to care for the homeless and it's like well why does that have to come from a place of religion why can't it just come from a place of like human like Nature. I'm good. I, I don't even agree with that. I think that it should come from the state, but I think well, I'm a bit yes, different I, am, that I agree opinion. with you. I where we should have you, like systems of government where we don't have homeless people, where there's yeah. no need for that, where we don't yeah, have like this cool. gap. Well, I think there's like different levels. Like I think community is like one of the more basic levels. Like if you look at yeah. like the well, we um, like the down. satanic temple, like that's what they were trying to do from like an atheistic perspective, and it just kind of became a lobbying group. And then yeah. if you look like Unitarians, like I think that's the closest thing to a religion that's not very religious. Like you still have to believe in God, but they still have a lot of openness for other systems and beliefs. So I think it's really hard to get people, especially people who feel disconnected, to come together and like be kind to each other. All right, so then Jesus is talking about some false prophets. He says that they're going to come to you in sheep's clothing, but they're inwardly ferocious wolves, which sounds like a great Halloween costume as well. I think Jesus is all aboard the Halloween train from what I have seen. Mm. And uh, he's warns against false believers. So this is, I think, is one of the most problematic things that he says in the Sermon on the Mount, which is that 
there are going to be people who profess to be believers who are not. And I can say from my experience, a lot of people that I grew up with profess to be Christians and do not behave in Christian ways. However, I was on the opposite end where I thought I was a Christian and people would accuse me of not being a Christian because they were trying to seek out unbelievers. So it becomes like this weird infighting Toxic. where it's like yeah. I'm perceiving people as being unchristian they're perceiving me as being unchristian mm-hmm. so it's like this idea of you have to judge other people's to Us find it them. right as opposed to what Jesus just said you know a few lines before which is saying no. don't judge lest you be judged mm-hmm. but then he also says there's going to be false believers but he doesn't follow it up by saying just be chill about people who aren't real believers mm. <laughs> exactly I mean that's that's just like a huge thing it's mm-hmm. like us versus them the I mean, last thing he says is that it's a wise builder who builds his house on a rock and a foolish man who builds on sand and that if you listen to jesus it's like building your house on a rock but here's my what about building in a swamp like Norfolk? what about a beachfront location mm-hmm. you just build it up you get millions of dollars you sell it it goes underwater it's not your problem yeah you just yeah. sell your real estate quick that's Norfolk. all i'm saying all right, so Jesus leaves some mountains after he like did this big speech, right? So then he goes and he heals this dude of leprosy. But here's what gets me. He keeps healing all these people with leprosy, but he never tells them like not to touch armadillos or to like wash their hands or whatever it is to like Wait, prevent. Wait, is that how you get leprosy from touching armadillos? Armadillos have leprosy and they can pass it to humans. What the fuck? <laughs> Don't go to Florida. Is leprosy like a, like a real, like a problem in yeah. the modern day? No, it's not a problem because we have ways of like dealing with it. It's dude, like largely it totally gone. Is. What are you but talking about? exists. It's yeah. not like a problem, but it Incels. is a real. Alright, so Jesus goes about healing people and then he goes into a boat with his disciples and he takes a nap on the boat and a big storm comes and then everyone's like, I'm very afraid and Jesus wakes up and he calms the storm as soon as he wakes up. And he's like, y'all a bunch of babies. Why'd you wake me up? This only happens in Luke. Jesus is having dinner at this Pharisee's house and a sinful woman comes and mm. hears about it. So she brings some perfume, she dumps it on his feet and she's crying and she like wipes it off with her hair and she what cleans up and nasty, his <laughs> nasty desert feet. I don't remember this story. What is, like, okay, what does a sinful woman mean? I think we that? all know what that means. Come exactly. on, Are you, you talking know about? What is a sinful woman? Anyway, so the, the dude is like, why are you letting this sinful woman touch you? She is unclean. And he, so Jesus tells him this parable. Let's say two men owe money to a money lender. One owes $500 and the other owes $50. The money lender forgives both debts. Which one will love him more? The one who got more money forgiven. So he says it's the same thing with the sinful woman. She washed his feet, so by forgiving her that she gets more out of it, as opposed to this shitty dude who didn't fucking wash his feet or anything. So <laughs> money motherfucker. Yeah, that's basically what he said. He's like, bitch, this woman's crying on my feet and wiping it off with my hair and you did nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And now some ads. A natural cube. As a busy, unemployed adult, it's hard to find healthy snacks to eat instead of eating a bagel for every single meal of the day. With Unnatural Cube, a box will be mailed to your house with all the sustenance a living human body requires for its basic caloric needs. Unnatural Cube rotates through fan favorites and new items, such as nutrient-rich animal, red tofu tube, or dried krill protein powder. Use code BibbleBritney for $40 off your first seven boxes, unless you cancel, which you'll never figure out how to do. All right, enough with the ads. Back to the show. So this is like a weird Jesus story that I really like. Okay. So so there's these two dudes, I right? Like this he like I'm liking this. Yeah. There's these two dudes, they got demons, he banishes the demons. This other guy comes and he's like, We are legion. We have a bunch of demons inside me. I need you to get rid of these demons. And then they're like 
the demons are like, will you let us go into those pigs? And Jesus is like, yes. So he banishes them out of the man. They go into the pigs. The pigs all run into the lake and drown. <laughs> that's what the story is. That's pretty metal. Dude. Yeah, it's fucking yeah. metal as shit. See, that's the thing. I listen to Christian I listened to crystal metal when I was in high school. Yeah. I thought it was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I found some, like, weird underground yeah. Christian music. It was so weird. Yeah, but you were you went to one of those like weird culty youth groups though, right? Where they make you like bring other people all the time. I guess that's where I was brought in. That's I got picked on a lot in high school and didn't have a lot of friends. And uh, yeah, like they were nice to me. Yeah, that's how they and get you. That's how the Christians <laughs> always get you. <laughs> They're just nice to me. I don't know. I mean, and they yeah they brought me in. I really, really appreciate, I don't know, what? Like that kindness? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It it can be so pure. Like, that is, that is the thing about Jesus. It can be, he can be so pure if you strip it down, if mm-hmm. you strip him down, you know? Yeah, I remember having some uh, uh, very religious experiences when we would go on, like, retreats for, like, church. We'd oh, go, yeah. like, upstairs, and it's, like, sometimes it would get really weird but it would like it would definitely hit like a deeper religious type spot by doing that more intensively. I think where it lost me was seeing people like speak in tongues because mm-hmm. that was very confusing and like kind of weirded me out. Or seeing people get slain by the spirit, that also kind of freaked me out too. And it kind of made the experience very confusing to me because it's just like, what is this? Why am I not feeling this way? Why am I not responding the way these other people are? And it's like, oh, it's because I'm a bad Christian. I'm a sinner. I'm yeah. doing everything wrong. So they're like, anime. It's <laughs> just like social psychology shit. Oh, yeah. Like, you're you're socialized to believe that this is a thing that will happen if I am a true believer. Mm-hmm. And they those retreats, they concoct this setting to make this, you know, like, they... I remember, I remember one retreat we went on, and they like everyone was in a room, and they had us all sitting on the floor mm-hmm. and like bowing our heads in prayer, and like if you wanted to like accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you just raised your hand, and it's like this weird social and, like, pressure. Exactly, yeah. it's this weird social pressure. I mean, I think it can be explained more by just human social psychology. It's like a like things that like, we know as opposed to some higher spiritual power. And I'm not like I be- again, I believe in the existence of like some thing that we don't comprehend, but the speaking in tongues and like all that stuff, I feel like it's very much influenced by just this kind of peer pressure sort of thing and that it causes like what you're talking about this like oh am i a good christian like i haven't mm. experienced this is there something wrong with me yeah and should i fake it like yeah. <laughs> no I, I never faked it but i do remember like that specific experience i remember lying down like taking a nap because i was like bored i think i'd reached a point <laughs> where i was like had seen it happen and i was like had already accepted that it wasn't like for me and i was there to like hang out with friends and i remember Without saying too much about your experience, like, I remember you having like a more emotional response to that, and then feeling like, "Oh shit, I thought we were both like totally disconnected from what was going on. It's just me." Aaron's like actually connecting with this, and then it made me feel like very suddenly Aww. like, "Oh no, this is like all happening in my head," you know, where it's like that realization that like someone I thought was on the same wavelength as me is like, "Oh no, this person's actually getting 
you know, into this and I'm not feeling it. It's that feeling all over again. It's like, oh, this is someone that I like and trust and they're responding and I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with me? Am they're, I just a robot? <laughs> they're getting something different and that's like the human experience. It's like... Well, I think those types of intensive retreats like specifically are like designed to create that atmosphere where it's like, they have like fun activities earlier in the day. They break you up into small groups so you feel more comfortable and safe. They have like a lot of singing, which like activates a certain part of your brain mm-hmm. where you're like inhaling and exhaling a lot. They have like heightened emotional tension. And they have like a set leader over your group that you can go to for personalized prayer. So it's like a very clever design in terms of how they set it up where it's like the first night they have like a general worship service. And then the next night is when they really ramp up like mm-hmm. the emotions and the music and like this where they keep playing the music until people have an emotional response. Like they do not stop playing the music until there is like a certain kind of breakthrough. And it's like, I feel like by having that pressure of like, it isn't said we won't leave until this happens, but it's like that belief that permeates the room Mm -hmm. from the people in charge that this will continue until there is this response. It's very forceful. It's very subtle though. I would say. Yeah. Subtly. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you put it that way, it's, like, kind of puts a different spin on all of these things. And, like, I always kind of had this weird feeling about them, Mm -hmm. you know? It's, like, you would leave the retreat and you'd be, like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. Like, that weird, like, emotional intensity Mm -hmm. of them. And I think so much of it was just, like, the climate that was created, you know, whether consciously constructed or not. I mean, I don't... I don't want to I don't want to assign this like malicious kind of manipulation to these people. I believe that they genuinely felt that they were doing what was right in trying to save and convert people. And I've experienced that from people in my family who believe that I am going to hell if they don't save me mm-hmm. and if they don't do everything they can to like reach out to yeah. me and like I- It's one of those things where it's like people don't intend it that way, but that's like how they've been trained. Like the whole thing Mm -hmm. with the retreat, those people didn't plan it as like, this is how we're going to get the biggest emotional response. Like that's how they were brought up. That's what it worked Mm -hmm. for them. And they want to share this experience with others. Because I think it's really, yeah, Yeah. they want to connect. And And I think that's the same thing. It's like, this is his belief and he wants to connect with you. And it's like very strange, especially when you are in the minority. (laughs) It was offensive. Uh, Jesus doesn't say anything about a conception, though. Like, Jesus mm. talks about himself being, like, the way, the truth, and the life. Like, yeah. that's his message is about the message of, like, hope and forgiveness and not passing judgment. And, yeah. like, it's, it's a largely a positive message. Like, all this stuff we were talking about with the Sermon on the Mark. Like, yeah. aside from, like, the details of him, like, performing miracles and stuff, it's, like, a very positive message compared to, like, the rigidity of a lot of, like, the Pharisees and Sadducees. Well, you just skipped the whole over all the negative stuff because who wants to talk about that? <laughs> I just want to yeah. talk about positive things, yeah. I guess. I don't know. I think it's important I to, like, have, like, consensus of... Not even consensus. It's comparison. I think that's what I mean. Like, having a comparison between people's experiences because, like, it is like you were saying, everyone has individual experiences, especially when it comes to religion and it's, like, that feeling of, like... Oh no, is this all in my head? It's yeah. like, no. <laughs> no, this actually happened. <laughs> it was very weird. It's getting it out of your head. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, I've spent a lot of time kind of processing all that weird church shit. Like, 
My therapist calls it religious trauma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you experienced it in a whole different way than I did with going to the school that you did. At, I mean, for me, it was like a huge part of my family. Mm-hmm. Like we did little devotional readings every night. And like, every night I read my, yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah, we did that devotional readings so... every night at dinner. That's and then every night, every night I ha- I would read a chapter of the Bible by myself in bed before going to bed. I didn't have that. (laughs) That was my my private choice, though. That was Uh, something I did. Like, I really genuinely believed in this. I would read the Bible. But that was like, that was like a weird thing of me wanting to have read the entire Bible to like make a point. And like, I feel like. That sounds like a Britney thing. (laughs) I feel like my parents were fake Christians. I don't, like, I still believe that. They don't go to church. Christmas Christians? I feel like they only go because my grandmother goes on holidays. Yeah. Yeah. We would go on holidays. That was the only time they dragged me to it. That's where I'm at now. And I, I complain about it because Mm -hmm. I don't like a lot of the churches they pick. It's like, I'm fine with like some churches, but it's like, Oh, I just get very upset when I hear like the pastor talking about their personal opinions as though it's like, divine and yeah. like that's very upsetting to me yeah. where it's like I went to this one Easter service where they had um yeah. Oliver North there if you know do you know who Oliver North is? That name sounds Do you know the Iran Contra? Yeah. So he was like in charge of that. He's the reason okay. why we were funneling all these weddings to the Nicaraguans. He was part of he was part of like Reagan's group. He helped hide it and lie you know, like when reagan lied about the iran contra affair like oliver north was behind it so now he has like a career writing books and like being on fox news and like he was at this church service when they were talking about like syrian gas bombs and they are equating uh these murdered children to aborted fetuses and like all these other really what? offensive things and i'm like it's 7 30 on easter why <laughs> <laughs> like why is oliver north here why do i have to deal with this <laughs> Well, I don't get it though. I mean, why? why what do th- what do people get out of going just for holidays? Like, is it is it your mom wants you to go and you want your mom to be happy, so she makes you dinner? I know, but why does your mo- why do your parents go? My mom because, likes it because my dad wants people to think that my mom is married because so they don't hit on her. Jesus wants you to. They're all no, 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 no. they're all no, 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 no. Jesus's Some holiday. people they're are all like in- that. Catholics, it makes the most sense because that's like a sin not to go. But like the uh, evangelicals, it's like that family expectations, family tradition. Yeah. This is what we do as a family. Hey, Just like a I lot of candles. people bring their kids to church for the community. And then as soon as their kids are old enough, they stop going. Yeah. I lit candles next to people, though. I like a lot of uh, Christmas songs. I like I yeah. like going for Christmas Eve service when they have a nice choir and do the traditional songs. I'm like, oh yeah! I love being in the church choir. Like it was so much fun. Like I feel like I learned so much as a musician. Like I got so much. I don't know if it was free musical education, but it was very cheap was musical very cheap. education. Yeah. I think it was like also like free babysitting. Yeah, exactly. I, I like think after school care, like all this social stuff, like mm-hmm. the social stuff, the community stuff. I think that's a huge part of what keeps people in the church, and it's like this Jesus stuff. I mean, there's like, there's aspects of it that I think, yeah, it's great, but like, I think my parents wanted that, but they couldn't get it because <laughs> I am me, unmedicated <laughs> child, get out of here. Because I am me, my parents wanted that, yeah, and couldn't yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah. Did they go after you were like? Did they go without you with the other kids? No. Why is your brother Christian then? Where did that come from? 
think a lot of people just say that they're Christian because that's what they default to. They yeah. don't want to have to, like, assign themselves a new belief system by questioning things. And I like, it's I think easy. it's fine to, like, question Christianity and then decide that you are a Christian. I think that's really great in a lot of ways that you're able to come to that as an adult. I think that's one of my issues with, like, infant baptism or baptism of children mm-hmm. or, like, confirmation where it's, like, well, this isn't a fully formed adult. They can't really fully understand this. Like, I think it's great to bring up kids in the church so they can, like, hear these different stories and messages and be part of a community to an extent, as long as it's not harmful. But it's like, I don't really think that you can commit yourself to a religion until you're, like, a fully formed adult. Yeah, mm. I, I would agree yeah, with that. I, totally... I feel like there's so much guilt and shame that's just embedded in Christianity that is so toxic to people. And I see it in so many people who are raised in the church, just this this guilt and shame over just existing. I don't think it serves any of us. I mean, yes, we need to be conscious of our actions and their effects on other people. And yes, we need to be like enlightened individuals trying not to cause harm, but this guilt and shame for just existing. I think it's like more in depth than that. Cause I think if it was just for existing, then it would be a lot easier for people to shrug off religion. I think it's, specifically actions that they take that are natural and that's what causes them that pain where it's like having sexual desire is a normal thing that happens as you get older Mm -hmm. and even if you believe in waiting until you get married to have sex even if you believe that masturbation isn't something that's good and healthy it's the language behind it where it's saying like it's a sin yeah it's not like something where it's like ah man i really screwed that up i'll it's like you you don't obey your parents, you don't take out the trash. It's like, oh, that kind of sucked. As opposed to, like, something being, like, a sin. And, like, I think that's where it escalates the level of guilt to an unhealthy place. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, if you if you teach someone, like, oh, this is what we believe, this is why we believe it. And it's, like, something where you make that choice and you want to do it. As opposed to something where it's like, if I can't, there's something wrong with me. Yes. I think that was especially, like, a problem for me, like, in the church we grew up in. Because it was so anti-gay yes. in such a huge way and that was like a huge problem for me because like you know I was questioning my sexuality yeah. at the time it was like harmful in terms of my development and accepting myself can we talk about that for a sec because yeah. like that's just crazy so like yeah our church we went to the same church and we were Episcopalian for a long time and then all of a sudden there was a, a gay bishop right yeah was appointed. Bishop Robinson yeah and it caused a schism in the Episcopalian church. And our mm. church was so opposed to this that they decided to not be Episcopalian anymore and to become Anglican instead. And it was just, I remember being like in favor of that because oh, that yeah. was just what that's was what indoctrinated. I yeah, that's yeah, what, yeah. And like anyone so who, weird. like, they took a vote though. They took a vote as a church. And it, so it, it was like weird. the majority of people were for leaving, but there was yeah. like a small percentage of people who were against it. And I feel like all those people got pushed out of the church because they weren't part of that ideology. Yeah. I, they, I really want to know where Jesus says. Jesus doesn't say anything about exactly. being gay. The Old Testament does, though. All right. And that's the whole point is like Jesus says that I didn't come to erase the law. I came to fulfill it. So there's mm-hmm. an argument where it's like, well, what do you count and what don't you count? Like there's another... Uh, there's another story later in Jesus's life that I have written down that I wanted to talk about, which is uh, from the book of John, where he is saying that, um, yeah, basically he's talking about um, being clean versus unclean and uh, all of him and his disciples are hungry and they're eating and uh, they didn't like ritualistically wash their hands like they're supposed to. So a bunch of Pharisees are like, yo, that's impure. You're not supposed to do that. And Jesus is like, yo, I don't see what you're talking about. Like, 
he makes like a very funny poop joke where he says like, you know, who are you? Like anything you put into your body isn't defiled. It's only things that come out of your body that are defiled. I'm like, Jesus got a good poop joke in there. I'm all about that. So he's saying like, there is no clean and unclean animals like there is for like, you know, kosher food where it's clean and unclean, like hooved or, you know, all these things. So, like, that's his whole point. So he's, like, taking back some of the things of the Old Testament and saying that doesn't apply anymore. But other things he's saying still do apply. So I think that's where it gets really tricky. I think you also have to take the Bible in historical context Mm -hmm. of, like, sanitation. And Mm -hmm. a lot of these things, like I was saying, are generation upon generation of human wisdom. And before we have the scientific knowledge that we do today... How do you keep yourself safe and sanitary in a world where yeah. you don't know what germs are? And, you know, is this a moral thing about this relationship or is it a sanitary guideline to for human survival? Like, well, that's, that's like the whole thing. And, like, I think there's, like, another subpart of it where it comes to things of, like, demonstrating your belief where it's like comes to circumcision where it's like you know you could argue that there was some like health concerns back in the day for why they did it but it's never presented as a thing you do out of a health concern it's always presented as a thing you do to show your loyalty to god yeah Hmm. all right back to jesus (laughs) we're gonna keep on rolling we got a good some good asides but we're gonna keep on rolling so there's a girl who they think is dead but she isn't a dead she's just sleeping and jesus is like get up so she gets up and now while he's going to raise her this lady with a menstrual disorder where she bleeds for 12 years oh my god no one does fucking anything for this poor woman she touches it she made a river she's healed damn but the thing is it's like so specifically with judaism like if you are menstruating you're unclean so she's been unclean for 12 years so that's like a bad thing yeah all right so uh he realizes that he doesn't have to like talk to everyone individually so he sends out all of his 12 disciples to go talk to people and so he's like you know don't worry about food or clothes go to a town find someone worthy they're going to take care of you if you can't find anyone worthy like you know tap your shoes in their dusty grossness at this town and it will be like Sodom and Gomorrah so he's basically saying this town is going to be cursed if they don't do something nice for you and like listen to your word and like repent so that's basically what they do he says you know you're going to be sheep amongst wolves so that's their job so so Jesus also says I do not come to bring peace but a sword so that's his whole point he's going to tear families apart about their belief in him uh, whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. That's another verse I had to memorize as a Wait, child. Hold up. I gotta think about that one for a second. If you're living for yourself, then it's for nothing. If you die for Jesus' sake, then you will live eternally. So basically, he's trying to encourage his followers Martyrs. to believe in the eternality of believing in Jesus, like everlasting life, versus someone just living their own life for their own sake. He wants hmm. martyrs. I don't think he wants martyrs, but That's I do think like it's it's a bit brutal, and I think some modern Christianity definitely takes it too far. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of this is parables and metaphors and allegories. Like, that's how he teaches. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, like, pretty crazy. So, yeah. Um, call Come all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Another famous phrase. So, he seals people on the Sabbath, which pisses off a bunch of Pharisees, and he's accused of being a demon, because they're like, only demons can cast out demons. And he's like, no. Anyone who's against me is just evil and stupid. Uh, don't blaspheme against me. It's very bad. So very, then he goes very, very bad. So then he goes to a lake because he's got to have different scenery for all of his preaching. Uh, so he starts talking about parables. So this is a famous parable of the sower. So he talks about a sower throwing his seeds. Some go on rocks, some go amongst thorns, some are on the road. 
burrs come and eat all of them on the road. The thorns choke out the seeds that are amongst them. Like the rocks, there's nowhere for them to grow. On the shallow ground, they grow a little bit. The sun scorches them. But the seeds he strows on the good soil, they come back and give him more grain 30 times. So that's his whole thing about his word. He's talking talking to everyone, but only some people is it going to be fertile ground and it's going to grow and sprout. But he's going to mm. talk to all these people everywhere to try. So that's the whole point of that parable. And then he goes to a mountain because he's just having all these people following him as he gives these speeches. So he goes to a mountain yeah, and this I is mean, where he's he, got a crew. He's got a huge crowd. Dude. This is 5,000 yeah. people who yeah. are following him to like the middle of nowhere and there's no food around. So he's like giving all of his speeches and stuff and they're like, we're hungry. And they're like, well, how are we going to feed you? We can't buy anything because we take half a year's wages to feed all these people. He's getting them drunk though because he's turning all the water Not into yet. wine. Uh, yeah, that was only for his mommy. He was oh, doing that as a mommy's favorite. True. That was before he was baptized. It doesn't count you don't know that i do know that it's in the bible <laughs> did he talk Come about on. this that he only did it for his mom yeah. yes I all right so I he has misremember five loaves of bread and two fish for everybody so then he prays over it and he breaks people up to groups and then they all get fed miraculously from all of these loaves. And then he sends his 12 disciples out and they come back with 12 baskets of just like the leftovers and they're all full. So somehow he came back with more food than he sent them out with. Yeah, So he's a, he's a good duel. I'm, I think he's basically telling us that we should fully fund food stamps and we should really support people. Oh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. very yeah, specific. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so then he's like, there's too many people here, so they book it. They get on a ship, and there's, like, a super, like... Well, he, he sends his, like, dudes onto the ship, and then he goes out and prays, right? So his dudes are on the ship, and they're trying to, like, just, you know, hang out. And then there's this super strong wind, so they're, like, trying to oar it to the land, but they can't because there's a super strong wind. So Jesus is like, what's that about? And he just walks out on the water, and he's like, yo, what up? And they're like, super strong wind. He's like, oh, cool. So he gets in the boat, wind dies off. Jesus is metal. Great. Metal as fuck. Yeah. This is the whole thing. Who, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Super metal. So that's the argument for transubstantiation in Catholicism, that it's his actual body and his actual blood. That's so nasty. It's kind of gross. You familiar with this? Transubstantiation versus consubstantiation. This is like a very. This is this caused a schism. Yes. Am I yeah. am I you right? Am I, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I took correct. European I, history. I've never, a schism in the church. Transubstantiation is a belief that it is actually the mm-hmm. communion wafer is Jesus' actual flesh. It's cannibalism. It's and actual cannibalism. the wine is his actual blood yeah. that we are consuming. And consubstantiation is that it's a symbolic mm-hmm. gesture. I, well, I want the like actual one. Honestly, I mean, I'm gonna go with one. <laughs> go hard or go I'm, home. Go hard or go home. I want to like actually be eating him. I want to be eating him. So that's that's the Catholicism. Because yeah. that means yeah. I'm closer to him, right? Yeah. Like he's inside. That you. is the argument. Yeah, but I mean, Catholicism, right, is a whole can of worms that like oh, yeah. flagellation. Oh, that's not right? really Catholicism. That was like a weird sect in like medieval times but that's not in the bible or in I think catholicism that's the, i think that's like the perfect pure form then like, no. <laughs> like beating no. themselves and it's like... too weird yeah so that's happening right so he's like arguing with some jews about whether or not cannibalism is cool his argument is cannibalism's great and they're like really wigging out so he loses a bunch of followers because of that so it's like mm, 
bit weird. So I'm he has like some other though. things he says, and he's like, if you hold to my teaching, you are my real disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Another famous phrase. And he like, keeps arguing with them, and he says that I am the good shepherd, and this is his flock, and that a good shepherd is not a hired hand. He will die for his flock. He won't run away just because of money. He would lay down his life for his sheep if a wolf comes, and that's how Jesus is with his believers. He's a good shepherd. So we got the parable of the Good Samaritan. A man is traveling from Jericho to Jerusalem, and he's robbed and beaten up, and they take all of his clothes, and they leave him half dead on the road, which is fucked up. So a priest sees him and walks on the other side of the road. So, like, rude. Then a Levite, meaning a good Jew, sees him and passes on the other side of the road, which is also fucked up. And then a Samaritan, who Jews fucking hate. Jews fucking hate Samaritans. They do not associate with Samaritans. He sees this guy on the side of the road, and he helps him. He takes him up. He takes him to his inn. He bandages him up. He gives him money, and he's like, pay for anything this man needs to take care of him. So that's the whole point Jesus is making. This guy that y'all hate, this dude helped you. And you guys need to be kind. You need to be like the Good Samaritan. It's a Good Samaritan. I know where it's from now. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You finally, did something just click with you? Yeah. Clue where Good Samaritan was from. Are you serious? I I looked it up once. I was like, Samaritan? What's, What's with this place? I don't know. There's a rich man with excess grain. He could sell it or give it away, but instead he builds a bigger barn to store it in. God's like, you're going to die. It's a bigger barn. So God's like, you're going to die tonight. What's the point of all this grain? So the point of the parable is, what's the point of keeping all your shit? So there's a second part yeah. to this parable. You're just going to die. The second part to the parable can't is... Can't take it with you. Can't take it with you. Uh, if the owner of a house has known what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. So that's the point. you got to be ready for Jesus to come because you don't know the hour that he's going to come. Mm-hmm. So. He's coming right. So Jesus is the thief breaking into your house? Is that the metaphor? Yeah, or the master coming to the house because before there's another is one that Santa I found Claus? less yeah. interesting, yes. which is about servants waiting for their master to come home and they're always ready. And I thought that was like a bit uh, capitalistic, so I wasn't about that one. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. other metaphors about like slaves that Jesus gives and I'm just like, mm, I don't really mm. want to. I'd rather talk about more positive Jesus stories than like yeah. the weird metaphors he makes about slavery. Yeah, like, I'll bring yeah, up you stuff. can't brush that shit under the carpet. I, I, because, I talked about, I talked about Jesus's poop jokes. I talked about his very mean statements about uh, divorce. Some of his other things, it's just like, there's so much to talk about with Jesus, you know? Yeah, yeah but you have oh, to, yeah. you have to take the whole thing because this is the thing with 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 Christians is I just told you I the know whole you're thing. adding it in but you have to take the entire you have to take everything equally valid mm-hmm. like that's what a lot of people will argue I mean there's some people who will say oh you it's a living document it's and not like, a living document I would it's disagree definitely with that. not it's living dead. it's a dead document dead. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think it's dead I think it's something that people interact with but Isn't I definitely that literally like what a living document means well we can't change it so I would disagree with that unless you go okay. to biblegateway.com they do change what? it though if you go to no no no, 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 no. doesn't his word get isn't there always new there's editions translations. there's translations yeah. okay. but if you go to biblegateway.com and you go to a specific verse you can hear what all the comments are and a lot of the comments are about how I'm gonna be is God's anointed and appointed and we must support Israel so we can have the end times That's the Wikipedia fucking the bible like come on let me oh my god you gotta read the comments. You gotta read the comments. The Biblepedia. The Biblepedia. It's real. It's a real thing. There's like so many Bible resources that are juice. Mm. Juice. Mm. Juice. Mm. Sorry. 
Jesus. I need to get back into the Bible. Like, oh, wait, you're Coming just back like to reaffirming it my faith. Coming back to it as an adult <laughs> is very interesting because, like, I haven't read the Bible in 10 years, but I read a lot of the Bible when I was younger. So, like, coming back to it with fresh eyes is really interesting to me. It's, like, takes away a lot of my uh, emotional hesitancy. So it's really, I think it's really interesting. It's really powerful stories. A lot of these things I think are really great. That's it for the show today. Special thanks to Phil for help with audio production, composing the opening theme song, and laughing at all my stupid jokes. Email me at artcannotbeamonologue at gmail.com to send me your feedback or cute pet pictures. Check the description for our website link and our social media presence. In this year of our Lord and Savior, 2021, good luck and Godspeed. Oh my gosh, the opening scene.